Welcome to the Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome into the family room. We are so glad to have you with us today. As you just heard, I'm Mari. I'm here with my co-host Craig today. Hey, Craig. Hey, how are you? Good. And John is off with grandchildren today. God bless him. He's got a number of them. He does. It's very cool. And in the family room, we are very... um, affirming of that. So we're very glad that he's off doing that today. Absolutely. Um, So today we're going to be talking about a cool topic um, and it's called, and the topic is the extraordinary story. So when I say the extraordinary story, what do you think of Craig? My life story? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I mean, honestly, I think, you know, the extraordinary story is the story of Christ's life, right? But taken from a perspective of somebody who really dissects a lot of the different gospels and the comments and the quotes and things like that, and takes it a lot deeper, frankly, than most of us do as we read through it. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be speaking. It's all about me, Mari. Sorry. Uh, you know what? It's All our listeners already know that, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we will be talking with Tom Hoops, and I will introduce him and why Extraordinary Story um, is his part of his life's work right now. But before we do that, let's make it about Jesus. You can Absolutely. do that, too. So, thank you very yes, much. Yes, thank you. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together again. We thank you for... Uh, this radio station. We thank you for our listeners. We also thank you for our guests that bring us wisdom, truth that can encourage and give hope to families. And we just ask you to pour your Holy Spirit on this broadcast. We ask you to bring out the truth of what Tom brings to um, the world every day in his podcast that uh, really opens up the Gospels and gives us a much more personal and private uh, meaning of the Gospels and how they've impacted our lives and how they impact his. We just offer everything in Jesus' name through the intercession of Our Lady. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, Tom Hoops, um, welcome. Um, I'm going to share a little bit about you with our list for our listeners here. So, Tom is actually, um, he serves as a writer in residence at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas, and he's also the vice president for college relations there. And talk about extraordinary story. It's interesting, Tom, your background is very maybe unique and different um, than a typical academic there at Benedictine, but you were a former reporter in the Washington, D.C. area and also a press secretary um, for the um, U.S. House Ways and Means Committee chairman, as well as an executive editor for both National Catholic Register newspaper and Faith and Family magazine. And your work is uh, can be read in a lot of different places, as, as we can see, um, including Alatea, the National Catholic Register, our Sunday visitor, I believe, um, and a number of other places. But I think probably biggest, most important thing, um, especially here in the family room, is you are married to April and you have nine children, and it sounds like eight grandchildren. Is that right? That's right. Nine uh, children, eight grandchildren, and grandchild nine and ten have recently been announced. That is wonderful. So, uh, so Tom Hoops, welcome into the family room. We're so glad to have you with us today. It's terrific being here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. And one of the things I di- didn't say is the reason we keep on making this play on the extraordinary story is because in addition to 
uh, work you have, such as the Fatima Family Handbook and a book called What Pope Francis Really Said. You also have a new podcast that's been out for a couple of seasons now called The Extraordinary Story. And so that's what we'll be talking about today. Yeah, no, and I'm excited to talk about it. It kind of goes in line. You talked about my background as a reporter. So I've been telling stories, and this is the story into which all the other stories ultimately fall. So this is the story of Jesus Christ's life. That is wonderful. Thank you. And the fact that you've come out of Washington, D.C., and you're still whole, healthy, and able to do this is another blessing. So thank you. (laughs) But before before we uh, get into the podcast, our life's journey with Christ are always important. They're always, you know, tales of how we've come to understand Christ in our own lives or how our you know, family helped us in that or how our friends did. Could you give us uh, a taste of kind of your faith journey, whether, you know, from when you were a kid and how you grew up to college and to your friends or whatever, whoever influenced you? Well, that's a, that's a long story. <laughs> I was going to say it began... Uh, many years ago in a hospital room, but I won't go that far back. Um, I, uh, so I come from a, a bat. My mother is Mexican and my father is from Kansas, as it turns out. Um, and my mother was uh, practicing Catholic her whole life, but my dad wasn't. So it was a little bit, um, the, the faith was not as fully expressed in my home growing up as it is now. In fact, I didn't go to confession, I don't think, past age eight. I didn't learn about the real presence from catechesis when I was going through catechesis back then. Um, and I remember I had a crisis of faith when my cat died and God didn't bring my cat back. And he was, you're supposed to be able to ask and you can get anything you want. So, uh, so that was, uh, so I kind of grew up deciding not to be Catholic. I remember in call in high school when they gave me the um, option of being confirmed, I said, no, thank you, which was kind of a shocking thing. My brother and sister had both gotten confirmed. Um, and it's only by a crazy story that was uh, seemed to me chance at the time. It seems to be Providence now. I ended up at a great books program. The University of San Francisco at that time had the St. Ignatius Institute which is a wonderful program back then. It was founded by Father Fessio. It since is no longer uh, there. But um, it was uh, the, the, the same priest who founded Ignatius Press founded this program. Hmm. And it delivered the great books throughout you know, history. It, and it all led up to the Catholic faith. I discovered the truth as a thing, that it's knowable. I remember I went overseas for a year and I, I ended up being roommates with a man who's now a very well-known theologian. He actually translated uh, one of Pope Benedict's books. Um, So I was just, God picked me up and placed me in this situation where I was just immersed in the faith. And it took me a couple years even then to finally get it. And I finally did get it. Um, But it began this lifelong fascination I've had with the person of Jesus Christ. And I, what I mean is you, you grow up in our culture often thinking of Jesus Christ as this ridiculous figure if you're looking at pop culture or somebody significant like that you need to be serious about but didn't have to take too seriously in your personal life. To people who took him, it seemed way too seriously. And then when it finally clicked, you realize, oh, my gosh, this is actually God and man, two natures, one person, 
And it's real. It's not just a cool story or not just a religious trick to get you to do stuff, but it's, he's a real person. Then once you, your brain accepts that, it opens up these fascinating channels of, well, what would it mean to be God and man? And so I've been spending many years kind of grappling with that question, trying to understand what exactly this means. Uh, and it, it started with me reading books on the life of Christ. I really used to just devour books on the life of Christ. And I know there's all sorts of different kinds. There's kinds that focus on the Holy Land. There's kinds that focus on, uh, you know, doctrinal issues and apologetics. So that's what has resulted finally in this podcast today, where I'm personally looking at the life of Christ. That's very cool. Okay, so before we start asking about that, I do want to know, because I know our listeners, and I know the way that they tune in and they listen and they think, oh, wait a second, what are some of his favorite books on the life of Christ? So if you were to tell any of them who would like to do some of the seeking that you've done, do you have one or two favorites that you that you really found impactful so, for you? Yeah, it's funny. Early on, my favorite was uh, Fulton Sheen's Life of Christ. Hmm. And that hit me so powerfully uh, when I was a young person, uh, when I was a young man. And But returning to it now, I don't have the same experience of it at all. It feels, uh, it, it feels like it takes things for granted that it shouldn't. I, I think it's a great book, but I'm just, uh, what I, the point I mean to make is that different ones hit you at different times. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like Albion Goodyear's. He's uh, Father Albion Goodyear, the British priest who wrote one that uh, draws very heavily on his experience of the Holy Land which I found helpful. Uh, you know, a book that I think should be required reading, I mean, I literally think it should be required reading <laughs> for every Catholic, is uh, uh, The Case for Jesus by Brant Petrie. Hmm. He's got a bunch of great books. You know, any of his books could qualify as one of my favorite Life of Christ books because uh, he's doing that wonderful work looking at the Old Testament. But The Case for Jesus just blew up a bunch of different categories in my mind, like this idea that the Gospels are sketchy sources and that we don't know who wrote them and all, all this crazy stuff that we just, I assumed was true until his, I read his book. I was like, oh my gosh, there's zero evidence for a lot of these very common misconceptions about, um, about Jesus. So I, th those are, I, I'll give you those three. How about that? That sounds great. And and listeners, we will also make sure that those are in our show notes so that you can find find those if in case you're driving or walking your dog, as I know many of our listeners are doing when they're <laughs> listening to us. And uh, so that you can uh, and you don't have to worry about trying to write them down right now. So um, so we've got to hear a bit about how God was very intentional about you were in this family that you were born into. And then he placed you very intentionally in these during your formative years, but even giving you special roommates and things like that to, to pique your interest and to draw you closer to him. Um, but I love how God also just weaves our passions and our gifts in different ways to where we are today with him. And one of the things that he did, obviously, with you is you have a gift for writing, um, and he gave you a very unique career, it sounds like. Um, so we'd love to hear a little bit about how God wove um, your past career and some of these giftings into what you're doing today, um, both as both obviously as a father and a husband, but also as a faculty member and writer-in-residence at Benedictine and now, of course, host to this podcast. Sure, yeah, thank you. Uh now, I, I suppose my writing career started out as a reporter, and then I worked for a politician, right? So 
I got used to looking at the world from different perspectives. As a journalist, you have to look at uh, businesses one day and schools the next day. And, uh, you know, you look at all sorts of aspects. You become, you know, an inch deep in a thousand different <laughs> things. And then as a politician, I had to look very closely at uh, political issues. Uh, and all this has been great in terms of adding kind of different experiences to be able to talk about how Jesus Christ impacts the world, not just in a church, but in every aspect of the world. When I was editor of the National Catholic Register, we had a saying that we would say in our office that we were doing the most important journalistic work in America uh, for all time. Mm. Now, that's quite a thing for a tiny little newspaper that not very many people read to say. Uh, And it's not true if you look at our impact on the culture at large. But it is absolutely true if our story is the story of God who became man and it's a story of grace kind of, um, you know, unfolding itself in time. Then those people who are looking at the religious dimension of stories, at the Christ-centered dimension of stories, are telling the true story of our time in a way that nobody else is. And that is both a reason to go to work every morning, but it's also a reason to take your work very seriously and to be very careful and to be very, um, uh, to, to not just dash off what you're doing. And that was kind of what we tried to, to teach there. And now, after, you know, struggling for years with, uh, you know, it seems like every year there's reason to think, oh, my gosh, the whole world is falling apart. This is worse than it's ever been. Mm. But then when I stop and think about it, I realize, okay, I've thought that every year since <laughs> the Clinton administration. <laughs> And before, I mean, I've thought that every year since I was uh, 20, you know. Since you were old uh, enough so to I actually think it, about things like that. Exactly. Yeah. Even as a kid, I guess I thought that. So I thought, okay, so, yeah, things are really serious, and there's lots of reasons to uh, be very serious and very careful about what we're doing as a culture. And I don't really know what to say about all of it. I don't know what to say about politics. I don't know what to say about economics. I've, I've gotten to a point in my life where I realize I don't know everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so now I think that the best way for me to find hope, the best way for me to share hope, the best way for me to help uh, kind of Grace's story unfold and change the world, I'm not going to change the world, Grace will, is to point to Jesus Christ. Yeah. Because Jesus Christ is the answer no matter what the question is, and knowing him better, if you want to be more, if you want to be a pure, better left-winger, then focus on Jesus and get better that way. If you want to be a pure, better right-winger, if you want to be a pure, better whatever it is, look to Jesus and just be willing to strip away everything in your own worldview that doesn't belong to him, and that's the answer. So I thought, okay, well, enough trying to figure out the answer to X problem and Y problem when it comes up. Let's just look at the answer to all problems, A through Z, uh, at Jesus Christ himself. So that's what I've been trying to do with the extraordinary story. That is, uh, that's, cool. yeah, that is good. Uh, listeners, you're in the family room here with uh, Tom Hoops, who is the um, podcast author of Extraordinary Story and is in residence at Benedictine College. Um, it's funny, you know, you, you, you bring that comment up because, you know, there's been the quote about, you know, Christ is either a liar, 
a total maniac or he's insane or he really is mm -hmm. the son of God and God himself because who else would do that? And when you point to Christ as the only truth, it's funny because that, we keep talking about that, right? You mm -hmm. keep pointing to politicians, you keep pointing to economics, you keep pointing to all these things. And as they seem to crash down, meaning is, oh, shoot, what's going on now? The light that seems to shine is Christ is the same today, always, and, and every day. And that's really where our faith needs to be. So I appreciate your comment on that. And I think you've also talked about, obviously, Christ shines light on community, faith, and even scholarship, right? I mean, you know, faith isn't faith without some kind of scholarly background to it, which it is intriguing for most people that probably don't think about that because it's sometimes we get rooted in just our own feelings and forget to go deeper because God is intellect. Tell us more about your thoughts on the importance of community, faith, and scholarship. Yeah, so that's really the, I, I think, the secret sauce of life. I mean, it, you can even, it's a slightly different order. I guess it would be uh, life, uh, way, and truth. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? So he's basically, uh, the, he's talking about community, faith, and scholarship there. So this is the model of Benedictine College, full disclosure. That's where I came up with that. But it's also, it's a very succinct way of uh, of expressing St. Benedict's motto, which is that our uh, faith consists of how we interact with other people. It consists of how we interact with God, and it consists of how deeply we are willing to dive into the truth, right? So community, faith, and scholarship. And I know I had a uh, future son-in-law, when he was asking me this question, ask uh, how does he? How can he keep his faith over the summer? Because he finds when he's at Benedictine, he's able to be a very faithful guy. But when he's on his own, he's not. Uh, I appreciate him telling me that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I said, really, the secret sauce is community, faith, and scholarship. For you this summer, for me at you know my age, for anybody, for a child, right? Community, faith, and scholarship. That's the first community you need to be in contact with other people who share the faith and who can kind of direct you in the right way. St. Paul says this all the time. You know, I tell confirmation students, you can't be a Chiefs fan alone. You know, you need Chiefs <laughs> and you need other fans. You have to have, right, uh, and you can't be a Jesus fan alone. There's no, we, we tend to in America think of this kind of post-enlightenment view of me and Jesus uh, where it's all about the personal relationship with Christ, which is extremely important, as you know, but there's also this corporate relationship. You exist with Jesus in relation with him, with your family, with your friends, with your parish, with the church at large. Uh, and so that community is extremely important. It's so important that I think for, uh, it's almost okay if it's, if, you, if it's forced. So let me explain what I mean. Women have a really easy time making friends or a much easier time men our brains are different such that after we are out of our 20s it's really hard for men to make friends so i love apostles like uh, we are part of teams of our lady which gets together with people and you have intentional conversations that are directed that man is you is another great one where you go and you have intentional conversations women will talk to each other about things that are important in their lives guys won't so i love <laughs> the community that puts you in a corner and say, okay, talk about important things. So that's community. It's, all, it's 
it's crucial, crucial, crucial that you have people who share your faith. Then the faith part, it's crucial, crucial, crucial that you talk to Jesus every day. If you don't talk to God, then you don't have a relationship with him. I mean, what would happen with your spouse if you didn't talk to your spouse for a week? I mean, for a couple days even. Uh, They would start to get cold. They would start to be a little bit resentful. They would wonder what's going on. Um, This is why it's never never a surprise. I remember there was a celebrity couple that were living in different cities, and then lo and behold, it didn't take long, and they split up. Well, if you don't live in the same place (laughs) as... So if we treat God that way, if we never talk to him, if we're not having a daily conversation with him, then we're not going to have a relationship with him. I mean, it's a matter of time before you have no faith at all if you're not talking to him because he's real and you're real. And when you talk, you really talk. So I think faith is extremely important. Uh, the, The faith, community faith, the part where you actually talk to Jesus Christ. And then truth uh, or scholarship is the third one. Scholarship is vitally important because we have intellects and our faith does not last unless we root it in our intellect. Uh, You know, uh, you can have a pep rally faith and that's great, but without following it up with real reasons for your hope, as St. Peter puts it, Mm -hmm. you just, your faith will dissipate. You should always be reading something that anchors your faith, listening to Quest or whatever it is that anchors your faith in something so that it's not just your brain grappling with issues, but it's your brain with, uh, you know, in contact with all the scholarship that's available. That's great. And thank you for the the plug there for the Quest (laughs) Atlanta Catholic Radio. We appreciate that. (laughs) So we've been kind of talking around it. We've been building up to this point at this point. But we would love to hear about how now the idea for your podcast began, your podcast, The Extraordinary Story. Oh, yeah. The Extraordinary Story uh, is kind of the work of 15 years now. Hmm. I mean, I only have been doing it uh, for a year or two, or what is it now? We're in 23 now. <laughs> yeah, it's been one year that I've been doing it, but I've wanted to do this. Like I said, I was a huge fan of Life of Christ books. I really love the format of going incident by incident, step by step through Jesus's life. And I uh, have been grappling with several, I call them mini crises, faith crises where uh, I'm looking at some new finding in science and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how is this? What do I have to give up? You know, what, what do mm-hmm. I have to say? Uh, I don't believe this about science or do I have to say I don't believe this about my religion and facing these kinds of crises. And then also uh, crises of personal identity. I don't have a personal crisis of personal identity, but working with college students, you realize how, People don't know who they are. They don't know mm-hmm. how to figure out who they are. It, you, you look at people, you know, at, extreme, uh, at, at the extremes who are actually claiming to be a different gender than they are. And at first, that looks ridiculous and absurd. But the more you talk to them and the more you understand where they're coming from, uh, you, it's still not true by any means. But you understand why our modern world has put them in a position where they don't have any of the anchors of personal identity in family, in personal history, in, you know, their 
families are split up. They're not living in the same region that their parents are from. They ju- we've just scrambled everything in their minds, and then we expect them somehow to be a human being like we always have. So I've been trying to figure out that as well. So all of this, and then for the past 15 years, I've been doing these Sunday reflections. And somebody said, wow, you really like uh, doing Sunday reflections. I, I don't. I mean, I, I think they're good. I, I think they're worth reading. I do. I'm proud of them. But, uh, but I'm not – what I was doing was I realized I wanted a lot of background research to be able to talk about the life of Christ, and that was going to take a long time. And so by hitting one gospel – per week for the past 15 years in these Sunday reflections, which were first in the National Catholic Register, then Alatea, now they're often on New Advent. Um, I was able to kind of put together thoughts on these things in different moods and different times and different levels of research in my life. Now, when I throw them all together into an episode, it sounds like I'm like this brainy person who <laughs> has really thought these things through. <laughs> I've thought them through, but it's been in slow motion and over many years. And uh, wait, did I answer your question? I forgot. <laughs> well, no, no, you're building toward it because I think this is beautiful because this is exactly what happens, right? So the idea of the podcast, God bore it out of your heart of the things you were struggling with, the things that you were seeing, the, your own personal passion and your own personal discontent or your observation of the discontent of those around you. And I think that's what happens to all of us, right? I mean, this radio show, this, our podcast and radio show was born out of the same thing, our desire to serve families and serve marriages because we were so disheartened by what we were seeing about how families and marriages are under attack. So you're, you're I think right. you're, you're heading toward that. If you'll just want to finish up that thought around now, it turned into a podcast. Yeah, so what one thing I had that a lot of people don't have is a floor full of theologians, many of whom are my friends and philosophers. So when I have a particular thorny issue, what I would do is I would head over to the third floor in, uh, on campus, and I would sit down in someone's office, and I'd say, okay, so grace is supposed to do X for the baptized. How come I know so many baptized people to whom X does not seem to be happening? <laughs> oh, wow. Or I... One day I discovered that uh, by something I was reading that oral history, that we didn't have any writing until very recently, uh, relatively. I said, okay, how does this work? How did God keep a religion going with nobody who could even read the Ten Commandments if he gave them? So so this is also the fruit of these many discussions with people. I'm watching the second hint (laughs) to try to figure out how to resolve these many crises. And I think it adds a certain kind of oomph to the whole thing, a little little angst, but uh, it's good angst. That's great. That is good. So we will be right back in a few minutes to hear more about this wonderful new podcast from our guest, Tom Hoops, The Extraordinary Story. We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on The Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Healthcare providers should care about health, right? Why then has Planned Parenthood's actual women's healthcare services dropped over 72% in the last 10 years? Abortion is not healthcare. Abortion kills. Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion provider in the United States with 700 abortion facilities. And in the 2019 fiscal year, they ended 345,672 innocent American lives. 
This is an increase of 13,000 in the last year and 25,000 over the last two years. To put that in context, that is about half the population of Washington, D.C. Why then does the United States government continue to send the millions of taxpayer dollars in funding and grants year after year? If we don't stop them, no one will. Let's love God by loving life. Show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by Versprite on AM 1160 The Quest. We're speaking with Tom Hoops uh, on his podcast, Extraordinary Story. Before we dive back into the podcast, I mean, it was really intriguing how the podcast has come about. More intriguing sometimes for me anyway is understanding (laughs) your family room memories. What would you say, Tom, is your uh, favorite family room memory, either growing up or with your rather large Catholic family? You know, and I've mentioned this at some point, maybe not in this podcast yet or not, but um I think just staring at the nativity set, it was a really powerful thing for me. I mean, my family didn't have, well, we had faith. My mom was going out. We would go to Christmas every time. And uh, actually, I never stopped going to mass until I kind of got my driver's license. And then <laughs> I would go to I would go to church and park in the parking lot and read in the backseat because I knew my mom would drive by to see if the car was there. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> That's kind of like the modern-day fine friends, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I remember Christmas, and I remember staring at the nativity set, and I didn't have deep thoughts about Jesus. Well, maybe I did. I mean, you never know how a child's mind works. But just staring in wonder at that story probably spoke to me deeply. And when I remembered later, and when I started to take Jesus seriously later— Part of it was a recovery of 
me remembering my fascination with just the beauty of the nativity set, just seeing Jesus as an infant in the hay. And maybe my interest in Jesus was connected to this, oh my gosh, what if what Tom Hoops then thought, staring at this infant Jesus, is actually true? Mm-hmm. What if this really is a magical, wonderful story about what if I can believe in a nativity set? What if all those feelings I felt as a kid are real feelings, not just naivete? Because you get you teach yourself, oh, that was all silliness, that was stupid. But oh my gosh, if it's real, then the world is much greater, and my life is much more wonderful than I ever dreamed it could be. Uh, and oh my gosh, thank God it is real. So maybe that's that's what I would what I would say is my. Family room memory. Mm, that's beautiful. No, that, that's it reminds me of Jordan Peterson talking about somebody asked him if he believed in God, and he he hesitated, and he brought back the the scene where the kings, three kings, came up and bowed to Christ, mm, yeah. and he talked about how they recognized Christ was greater than him, and his trepidation is. If I really believe in this, that means I have to live a life that's consistent with my belief. And that was kind of a daunting thought to him that, well, if I really believe this is the God of the universe, I better really look at how I live my life, which in essence, you kind of said that, right? If this Jesus is really real, holy smokes, what does that mean for the rest of us? Yeah, but I but I also love the innocent magic. You, know, you use the word magic, and as kids, that's what we think, right? As adults, it's more just the miracle of who God is in our lives. But just that sense, I think we can all go back to that where we had that internal, something drew us in a in a otherworldly way, in an outside-of-ourselves way. Yeah, and I almost, I, I think I'll disagree with Jordan here. I don't think I experienced it as, oh my gosh, this is going to stink. I'm going to have to change my life. Although I'm sure there was a heavy dollop of that. But just realizing, oh, my life can be so much more than I thought. Because mm. it's kind of disappointing in life as you get older and these childhood things start to fall away and you start to realize, oh, we're just in this drab world where we have to pay the government and, you know, do what we're supposed to. Oh, we're not really infinite in our dignity. Oh, we're not really that big of a deal. We're like, you know, th- th- there's a book that describes, you know, if uh, materialism is true, then we're like mold on a rock that's swinging through space. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it, once you disbelieve in God and that story, you start to think, okay, well, I mean, I, there's, good, there's cool stuff to do, but I'm basically just a microbe on a rock in space that's going to disappear soon. Once you realize, oh, my gosh, there might be something more to me, at least the way I'm remembering it as I'm speaking to you now, I don't remember it being an overwhelming sense of now I'm going to have to do stuff. It was more of an overwhelming sense of now I get to be somebody. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think one of the reasons maybe we have so many lost and hopeless and sad people right now is because they don't know that, which is back to why you created this amazing podcast, um, The Extraordinary Story, to share that with people. Yes, getting on to that subject. (laughs) (laughs) We've been talking about these science things and that part of it, so it's two seasons so far. And the first season kind of looks at the infancy narratives And that one is focused on some of the issues I expected to be kind of the overwhelming issues of the whole thing, which is how is it possible that we as human beings existed for so long without Jesus coming? How is it possible that we didn't know what faith was rightly for so many years? 
And, and just kind of looking at this question, like Adam and Eve, and then what? And what were Adam and Eve? And what were the Neanderthals versus Homo sapiens? And the way I'm describing it now, it sounds like it's a super scientific podcast. It's not. <laughs> it's just going through the the. But it does mention uh, new research. I found some incredible things. Like we were saying a little bit over the break, the more you get worried about science, uh, the, the more you look into it, the more the more you your worries start to drop away. And you find that science is a neon sign pointing at Jesus, mm-hmm. and Jesus is a neon sign pointing at, at science, where the truth of the universe are all caught up in the truth who is Jesus Christ. And you realize that Oh, this is the way God works all the time. There's always a development. A baby is not yet ready to have an adult faith. At my age, I'm not yet ready to have an adult faith. (laughs) But but there's this incredible research about the origins of society that I bring up. A lot of my theologian friends here have turned me on to. There's a guy who's discovered that the typical narrative that people first learned farming and then got safe and secure enough to start dreaming of God and coming up with the other way around. We find evidence of worship before we find evidence of anything else. Mm -hmm. So it seems like this relationship of God is primary. That caused societies to form. That caused people to understand. So the the story that's emerging from science now and archaeology is very much in line with the story of Jesus Christ, as I understood it, when I was, again, a mm-hmm. little kid staring at the nativity set. So the first um, the first season looks into a lot of that, and those stories really lend themselves well to it. When you have Jesus being taken to be presented in the temple, a temple where they still did animal sacrifices on a, you know, on a regular basis, where that was still seen as an important thing. Uh, so why was that seen as an important thing? Why does our faith, uh, you know, our elder brothers in the faith think that was an important thing. How has that emerged from the mists of time, and what does it mean now? So all of that, that that's covered in the, in that first uh, season. The second season, I found, got more personal than I expected it to be. <laughs> and partly, it, it started hitting on these stories uh, that really hit home. And, you know, I, as I've said in the past, my favorites are the... Um, the Woman with the Hemorrhage, which has always been a significant story in my life. Uh, the other one is The Garrison Demoniac, which has always been a significant story in my life. And then uh, one thing that hit me new was the, all the storms that Jesus – I never really thought about Jesus coming to people in storms. But those, those were really revelatory when I was able to talk about those. Um, but, yeah, those, those are some episodes that for the podcast – kind of set the cerebral stuff aside a little bit and look a little bit more inwardly. Well, we're going to unpack those a little bit, but just one comment from my own. It's interesting you mentioned Christ and the storms because I was praying about it one time and I thought about, you know, when they talked about Christ walking on water in the middle of a storm, getting to the boat. And what hit me was he wasn't walking on the water with light shining on him and no rain hitting him and no storm around him. I mean, he was in in the storm with everybody. He was getting wet. He was probably cold, but he just kept going and doing what God wanted him to do. And I'm like, wow, that's a pretty, and for me, that was a big revelation of Christ is really experiencing everything we experience so deeply that he gets wet. He feels the pain. He mm-hmm. feels, you know, all of that. So thank you for bringing that one up because it's one of the things that just hit me a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, wow, 
All these years of praying about it never hit me. That's very cool. Well, and I love how you just said, because Craig just brought it a great example of it, is that you went cerebral kind of at first, and then, you know, you said season two got a lot more personal, and you sounded pretty surprised by that. And I was laughing because I was thinking, yeah, God wasn't surprised by that part. God was not surprised <laughs> that it was going to become even more personal for Tom, because that's the whole point of the extraordinary story. That's the whole reason Jesus came was to make it personal for all of us. Yeah, and it's called the extraordinary story. Story, uh, because we all have walk-on roles in Jesus's story. His is really the story of mankind. And it's whenever we start to put ourselves forward and w- when we mistake what's going on in the world as us-centered instead of Christ-centered, mm-hmm. and you think, oh, Jesus is going to play a role in my story, and <laughs> but you stop and think about that after after decades, and it turns out it's somewhere alive. Yeah, you think, wait a second, I should be playing a role in Jesus's story of grace in the world. I think we all have a an inkling of that all along, but it, it, it's a growing awareness that really this is not about me. This is not about me. Right. This is about Jesus Christ, and uh, and to actually look into his story and and see it as something that really happened to real people. It just gives you all sorts of fodder for understanding how it's really happening to the real you right now. Yeah, that's beautiful. Listeners, if you are just joining us, you are here in the family room and we are with Tom Hoops, who is the writer and the host of a brand new podcast called The Extraordinary Story. Um, so right uh, just a, g- a couple seconds ago, you talked about how there were some specific stories that Jesus didn't actually just tell, but he experienced. There were specific things in the Gospels that we learn about, and they became very personal for you. So I know that our listeners are thinking, OK, well, how did that how were those personal? So can you would you unpack a couple of those for us? I know you said the woman with the hemorrhage, the demoniac at Gerasene and um Craig and I might have some specific real, I think, I think they've hit us probably in different ways too. So we might chime in with you. Well, I'll start with the woman with the hemorrhage because that plus the parable of the talents, which is going to come up uh, in the next uh, season or so, but the woman with the hemorrhage already uh, has come up. And that has always just been such a powerful story for me, especially in Mark's version. And by the way, Oh my gosh, Mark is awesome. I always thought of him as the brief gospel writer, um, and his is the shortest, uh, but he he just piles on details that nobody else has, and he gives you reactions. And as I go through this and try to figure out which gospel to read to illustrate his story, I keep landing on Mark. But Mark, in his story of the woman with the hemorrhage, describes this woman who had suffered 12 years under many doctors and had spent all she had and had not grown better, but in fact had grown worse. Mm. So you have this person who uh, is not just a woman. So she has a hemorrhage also. So she has a form of bleeding which would make her impure in Jewish culture. Mm-hmm. So she, and it's also not obvious to everybody looking at her. So she's just kind of like the modern person who has this wound that makes them feel out of sorts with the universe and out of place and like they don't belong anywhere and they feel rootless and they've seen many doctors and have not grown any better but in fact and spent all they had so we try all sorts of things don't we we try you know time management like business books how to get ahead in your career we do personal you know from Stephen Covey to the five love languages, all of which are great, by the way. I'm not knocking any of these things. 
But we just keep finding that they aren't solving the fundamental wound that we have that makes us feel out of place with, out of place with mankind. And that's kind of how I felt when I was rediscovering Jesus Christ as a young man, starting to take him seriously. I thought, oh, my gosh, I've wasted all this time trying to, you know, find the right music that will connect me <laughs> to the universe or find the right uh, you know, luckily, I was never into uh, drugs. Some people go down all sorts of dark pathways looking for something that will f- fulfill them, you know, trying to satisfy it with other people. And you you go to these many doctors, and you, and you spend all you have, and you're left not better but worse. And here's this woman with the hemorrhage, and I love the approach she makes to Jesus because Jesus is busy He's going to cure Jairus' daughter. Jairus mm-hmm. is this important town official. There's a whole crowd watching. This is a moment for him to really make a stamp and really kind of get the thing going. And he sees that, and he's doing that, right? And she sees him walk by, and she's like, well, what about me? Uh, well, he doesn't, he's got important business to take care of. And Jesus really does. He has way more important things to deal with than Tom Hoops, right? He has way, <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh, he's the Ukraine alone, you know, he's got so many more things to deal with. And often when we visit him in life, sometimes we're blessed and he stops and turns at us. And he does this in the gospels too. Sometimes we're not that blessed. Sometimes he's in a crowd of other priorities passing by and all you see is the tail end of him as he in the hem of his garment as he's disappearing in a crowd and you have to push your way up to him you can't just say come and get me jesus here i am you've got to like go out of your way so this became kind of a paradigm of my spiritual life as i was discovering jesus is don't let him walk by Mm. he's gonna he's walk he's on the move he's not necessarily going to stop and treat me like the middle the center of the universe lunging at him, going for him, trying to figure out who he is, not just taking it for granted, but being the active participant in reaching out to him. That, that was always, that, that was a really important metaphor for my life in my own pursuit of Jesus. Yeah, that's a great one. Craig, is there anything, what Tom just shared struck you? You know, I mean, it goes back for me, the passage that, you know, oftentimes we read that says, ask and you shall receive, seek yeah. and you shall find, knock and it shall be open to you. But we don't know the translation, and it says, keep asking, keep knocking. You know, so it does. It ties back to Scripture perfectly that, you know, God wants us to pursue him. I mean, he's always pursuing us, but he wants us to lean back in and pursue him as well. So we can, you know, put that effort in and live through some of those challenges, but not give up faith. Just, you know, the whole... I've prayed, I've tried, nothing has happened, but I'm going to just try, I'm going to touch him one more time. Mm. I'm going to reach out one more time. And he always is there. Yeah, yeah. He has given us free will and he allows us to seek after him too. I remember uh, one time thinking I was in a situation and I thought, oh gosh, how come I'm the only one who grew in my faith through this situation? It was a difficult situation in my family life and I felt like I was the one who got most blessed um, after the situation and had a deeper, much deeper relationship. And God kind of spoke to me and said, well, you're the one who kept on seeking after me, right? We are called to do that. It's not going to be like Zacchaeus. There are going to be Zacchaeus moments where he notices you up in the tree, (laughs) right? But there are also going to be a lot of moments where you are hidden in the crowd. And you're, like you said, you have to grab at him as he goes by. So that's beautiful. Thank you for breaking that open for us, Tom. No, thank you for reminding. Yeah, it is important to know that there's plenty of stories where he stops and turns to you. But I find it hilarious. I do a lot of research for these to try to figure out what people have said over the time. And I found an old 
commentary in the Gospels, and you kind of see how the church was about to fall apart. <laughs> but there was this commentator saying, you know, the reason he stopped to cure the woman with the hemorrhage was to help Jairus, because Jairus needed to see that example, yeah. which is probably also true, no doubt. But this tendency to take the people who aren't the important person and just assume they're not, they're not the real. But anyway, it, it, we live in an enlightened time in some respects, uh, which I'm grateful for. But yeah, sometimes Jesus stops and turns to you and you're just as important as anybody else. Well, and in that story too, if you remember um, how I think, I'm pretty sure Mark said it too, but once she touched his cloak, then she was supposed to tell everybody what he had just done. Right. Oh, my gosh. That's a good point. And, yeah. and she had to do it in front of a crowd. Yeah. Can you imagine? And in front of the uh, crowd who said, what are you doing in the midst of us? You were supposed to yell unclean and clean. You weren't even supposed to be near us. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's true. Yeah. Right. Very cool. OK, so um, I'm dying to know more about the uh, demoniac because <laughs> that sounds like it might be digging up some pretty big, uh, big stuff there. Well, you're, you're making the assumption the devil's real. I'm, you know, that's, that's a myth, right? The devil's not really real. Yeah, no, no, no. It's definitely real. Uh, but yeah. I, I, through this whole thing, I've, uh, and, you know, I do have a personal story around the, the garrison demoniac. Uh, but around this whole thing, I've also become a lot less afraid of the devil than I have before. You know, uh, before I say that the Garrison demoniac part, though, the, the first part of the story was, used to be the, the second. The last part of the story was what I used to think my life was all about. There's a point where after he's cured, the demoniac puts a foot in Jesus's boat and yeah. says, take me with you. And Jesus says, no. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, uh, he says, no, go back to your homeland. Um, so I, uh, early in my life, I went to seminary and I went, I was like listening to songs that were like, I was giving myself, I was ready to sacrifice everything. I was all in. I was leaving everybody behind. I was leaving all things behind. And I got there and in a very clear way, he said, no. <laughs> so that was the first one. It's, it's really hard to, to, say, hey, Jesus, I want to come with you and have him say no. So that was the first part. But the second part of it is uh, something that happened to me. And oh, my gosh, we don't have enough time. I'll I'll tell it briefly. (laughs) We had a series of really bad things happen in my family and in my life at a certain point. And um, this thing which had been happening to me for years finally drove me to go to counseling because it was getting out of hand. And this thing that kept happening to me all my adult life, Maybe once a day, I would have a vision, a very particular vision of my suicide Mm. and uh, accompanied by accusations of worthlessness. Okay, Mm. And so I thought, I don't know, brains do weird things. You know, I never thought I was crazy. I became curious about it, thinking, does this happen every day? Mm. And I was thinking, when it would happen, did this happen yesterday? Anyway, I, I didn't focus on it. But then in this kind of difficult period of my life, it became cacophonous. It was constant. And maybe for the for 10 years or so, it was such that whenever I was alone uh, in the – whenever I tried to go to bed and turn the lights out, it was just – I didn't hear the voices. It was just – I don't know what I – it was just I couldn't get my brain to quiet down. So mm-hmm. I had to have loud white noise and – Anyway, at the end of a 10-year period, this is getting so bad that I thought, okay, this is, this is not, there's something bizarre here. Because then I was thinking, instead of thinking back, did this happen to me every day? I was thinking, this is this happening every hour? Hmm. Is this happening every half hour? So I finally went to counseling about it. And 
when I described the situation, the first thing the counselor said was, have you ever tried deliverance prayer, right? Deliverance mm-hmm. from uh, the demonic. And as soon as he said that, I thought, oh my gosh, duh. I mean, this is clearly, because I never felt, uh, I never was tempted to commit suicide, even once, not at all, right? Um, but this thing kept happening. And so I started this process with exorcists, as it turns out, from, I guess, three different dioceses were involved just because of the way it fell out. Not because they've normally that, but I, anyway, it's a long story. But, um, <laughs> and I went through this whole questionnaire and this whole thing. Then 30 days before this procedure, this service, I had to do 30 days of forgiveness prayers because the devil loves unforgiveness. Mm. So you have to go, I was going through these categories of people to forgive. And I put those on our website, media.benedictine.edu. And at the end of it, I, it wasn't an exorcism, it was a deliverance thing, but it was, I was in the basement of a church in front of a tabernacle with a stole on my head and a priest mumbling things in Latin. <laughs> I, was, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is something I'd never expected <laughs> in my life to, to be a thing. And then when I left there, oh my gosh, I felt like such a burden lifted off of me. Mm-hmm. And um, ever since then, I sleep in total quiet, no problems. I don't have the image occurring to me. It just went away. And it's been such a huge blessing. Uh, and I didn't want to tell this story because I haven't told it for years because I thought, okay, it makes me seem like a weirdo. Mm. But then I was reading a um, commentary to prepare for the podcast about St. Gregory the Great on the Garrison Demoniac, where Jesus tells him, go home and tell people what has been done for you. Yes. And uh, St. Gregory the Great says, and I too have had a legion of demons leave me. So I too, St. Gregory the Great, uh, feel like even though I'd rather not talk about it, I must. So I figured, okay, I'll talk about this issue, which was not a possession by a legion of demons, but oh man, it stank. Yeah. Well, and we appreciate your vulnerability with that because I think that's the type of thing that brings hope to people. So folks, please, please, please go listen to this beautiful podcast, Extraordinary Story by Tom Hoops. Tom, would you be willing to close our time together that's gone by so fast with a prayer for our listeners? Sure. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, we know that you are the one story, the one story that makes sense of our lives, the one story that makes sense of history, the one story that reassures us that the future is safe because the future is yours. The future isn't ours. The future isn't sins. The future certainly doesn't belong to the devil. The future belongs to you, both the future of the world and our individual futures. Help us to know you more clearly as the way, the truth, and the life who will take us through this life finally to your side. God willing. Amen. 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 Tom Hoops, thank you so much for being with us here in the family room. Great. Thank you. And listeners, thank you for being with us. We would love for you to join us again next week in the family room where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.